Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And today we're taking a little trip into what feels a little bit like Joseph and his Technicolor dream world. As we're recording today's episode at the World Family Cafe uh, to meet today's guest in San Juan because it's Friday and we can. And it felt good to have some new surroundings to inspire this conversation, which is all about Ibiza and Formentera's best bits with a lady who has resided on the island her whole life, but also documented all of these great finds and nuggets and pearls of wisdom and discovery through her books, My Ibiza and Formentera. And lately, I've been feeling a little bit sad about the fact that Formentera's shacks have shut up shop, um, as you can hear. There's quite a cacophony of noise in the background, so you'll just have to get used to it. Um, But seemingly, they've been put out on sale to the highest bidder. Um, And recently, I actually went to Formentera to have a little look at Kiosco 62 and the Lucky Bar further up Playa Mijon. And I was really heartbroken to see the truth of what I'd been reading uh, before my very eyes. And that was that the shacks are all in winter mode and not really even in existence right now. So after reading some social posts from Hjordis Vogelberg, uh, today's guest, who has always lived in Ibiza, this seemed like a very good place to start today's conversation. Welcome to the Reset Rebel podcast. Hi, Joe. Nice to meet you and um, nice to be here. Have I said your name correctly? Jordis Fogelborg, yes. It's a hard one. It's a bit of a <laughs> I didn't quite know, but I'm glad I got it right. Can we start with Formentera? Because I know that you went over there on a little bit of a recce as well to do some research just the other day. And I know that you've been posting about, obviously, the shacks. And it is really, really sad to see the state of play. What did you manage to find out? Well, I've now um, found out, well, then was then, now is now, and I've found out that they are allowing them to have one more year concession. So um, the trouble with that is that a lot of the old owners who had their lovely shack with all the wood and all the bits have thrown it all away. So it's really hard for them to rebuild up the shack. They'd have to go and buy a whole new, you know, whatever, because they, they get taken down every year anyway. But they just chucked it all out, thinking, well, that's it, we're done, you know, we'll never be back. So no one's really sure what's going to happen, but they have been given another year because they, was, they were so up in arms and um, the council couldn't, couldn't really push it forwards and make that decision. So they've gone back on it for a year to study it, and in the meantime, the old owners can keep the shacks. So that's it's good news, but it's who knows what's going to really happen. Um, I have been Formentera's a slow starter this year you know it's I've been back a few times to try and get information for the My Formentera revised edition for this year and it's sort of quite sleepy still there's a lot of roadworks in La Sabina and in Pujols and so I have decided actually to delay and not bring it out this year the My Formentera and just go with what I have left from last year in stock so um, it's all about my Ibiza this year <laughs> It's always all about Ibiza, let's be honest. I think, um, you know, I, I was also there, as I say, and I, and I found the exactly the same story. It was like I couldn't get to the place I was staying because there was just so many roads closed off. And it was like I had to go on like a sort of like a wacky races tour of the, the Campo of Formentera. And there was like oncoming enormous juggernauts down these tiny country lanes. And I couldn't even get to, to my accommodation. So it was very, very strange to see that. And not only that, that I was only there, what, two weeks ago and 
and there was just nowhere nowhere open not even for a cup of coffee or a bit of breakfast on Playa Mijon yeah no exactly they've really they I don't know what it is I've got a very good friend there Sol Correge who's like an eco-warrior in Formentera she has a fantastic restaurant called Acapulco on the way up to La Mola and she has these she has two shops which do everything's made from what she finds on the beach and um, she all recycled and beautiful paintings and stuff and her her whole vibe is, you know, with the nature and stuff. So she she's really well informed. And, you know, she said some of the these shacks that we loved weren't actually being that good to us residents anyway, you know. They were charging us high fees for, for, for pre-made mojitos in plastic cups and they were not really recycling much and organising their trash. So, you know, they they can be angry about the fact that they didn't get the concession again this year but they need to up their game a bit and be much more aware of the people living there and um, what they should do for the actual residents you know um, and have resident prices I think but um, this year is going to be interesting no one really knows what's going to happen you know um, but yeah it's really really hard to go to go to the beach where the shack was and it's not there it's like I went to Lucky I actually took a photo of myself sitting at Lucky and it's all gone it's just like no, nothing there and you know it was quite nice going there it was sort of these craggy Italians a bit sort of rock and roll you know sort of um, like um, Mick Jagger type-esque people and you know they were never very pleasant but they always it was just always nice you know not trying too hard and these sort of places you know who's going to take them on next year you know what's going to happen they should have a the competition should be fair it shouldn't be about money which is what happened because you, you know, when these things come up for competition, it's been having, happening for years. The thing is, they've kept it under the radar, so the, the original owners have always got the place again for the next year. But this year, it went out and it was publicised, so everyone got a chance to come in and, and bid. And um, the, the highest bidder won, not the best idea, and it should be the best idea. And that's what they're looking at. Rightly so, and I think, you know, I was then felt that sense of slight begrudging when you, I ordered a drink at Lucky which I, I hear you talking about which I always found highly comical really <laughs> you just think like yeah the amount of money that they must be sort of scooping up in in peak summertime um, but I think absolutely you know we've all got to be more eco-conscious and on an island like that one which is already quite sleepy clearly they're not quite ready to maybe a wake up yet but I think b you know not to to have kind of a protocol in place for people to sort out their waste in a way that's you know beneficial for an island you know that's very focused I think on on preserve you know preservation of their their sand dunes and all of the things that they do do there they do a lot of hard work to keep that island um in in good condition and I think it's it's mad madness that they would allow that to carry on totally I mean you know it's like selling the island off the island's for sale and one, f- one has to remember that why did we all come? Well, I didn't come to Ibiza. I was practically born here. But, you know, all these newcomers that come to these islands, they came because of the little bars with, with simple food and affordable, the little shops where the woman still writes down with a pen and doesn't have a computer, all those little details that they don't have when they in wherever they came from, like France or Holland. But what do they do? They come here and they... They try and reenact what they have where they came from. So they buy beautiful little thinkers and they rip them apart and put, you know, that cement floors and floor heating and enlarge the windows. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, I live here, I've been here for years, so it's quite hard for me 
to watch and I've been I've tried to keep quite um, objective and not get too pissed off about it but they are things that I just find why are you why 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 didn't you stay where you came from if that's what you want you know Ibiza was never about that and it was never about there's this whole movement now with um, it's sort that of I call it the Tulum movement we're Ibiza I mean it's always been a bit like that there was the India movement here there was the Goa movement here everyone bought Buddhas and had them by their pools you know and now it's this Tulum thing where everyone walks around with a hat which makes them instantly cool <laughs> and um, and then we you go I've been invited to a countless events this year where you you go to these places and you sit in a circle and <laughs> listen to a guy strumming a guitar and a girl going um, 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 um and I think that's not Ibiza what's happening where's the pla- the Spanish guitar where's all of the things that I remember and that my mum used to take me to and it's like bringing in the rest of the world to change what we have you know and people wanting to, to, to people that love Ibiza so much but then they disappear in the winter and go and find another hot country to live in because they can't do the, the do the real Ibiza, which is fireplaces and no people and walking on the beach when there's nobody there and no parties, just ha- a few house parties and dinners, which to me is a dream. But you know, I think I don't know. It's love it, love it for what it is. Don't try and change it. And the problem is, sadly, is that there's so much going on here. It's become. There's been a few articles recently, which I'm not going to say who wrote them or where they came from but they I read them and I just thought what is this it's like a it's a, just an endless name drop um, about who's and where's and what's and all these fantastic places that these people are sort of um, it's not really it's not Ibiza and it's but I don't want to be that negative person you know I do a guide and I try and keep it real and I don't want to be pointing fingers and you know saying but I'm, I'm a little bit like I'm hoping that this this trend is going to end soon and but then what you know it's really it's, it's, it's this endless there's always been a trend isn't there in the in the 60s it was all the the hippies came here and the writers and the poets in my mother's time and then in the 70s it was the um a few more renegades like that that got caught caught the end tail end of the hippies and then in the 80s it was the balearic boom with the clubs opening the 90s was became more hedonistic with the clubbing and then we went into the 20s which has sort of become this you know Ibiza boom isn't it where very wealthy people moving to the island and taking over there's been a lot of people that I know who have been living in a lovely little finca all their life on Ibiza and suddenly the landlord turns to them and goes, someone's given me four times offer on your plate, on this place, you have to leave. And now who would do that? I mean, if you come to the island and you're a nice person and you care, would you do that? I mean, I just don't get that. And then, I, you know what, it's, it's very double standards and it's sort of, I'm very lucky, I have a lovely little house and I rent it and, you know, it might happen to me one day, you know. Um, yeah. 
No, I think that was a, an interesting point to make and I think it needed to be made because, you know, every every man and his dog and the world and his wife have moved here now because obviously of the remote working opportunity and that's obviously changed what was already really quite an elite landscape of, of people that were able to afford to be here and now, you know, not only can, say for example, the workers of Britain not come here anymore to work because of the 90-day rule, you've also got literally no affordable housing for pretty much anybody that wants to work here anyway that isn't from here so I think you know everything is changing and you know it will continue to be that way till the end of time because that's how you know that's how the story goes but I think yeah there's been some very interesting things that I think also came to light as you said through that Times article which I felt was very much you know like a who's who of like you know the rich and famous that come to the island and and that's not I don't think what people come here barefoot you know wanting to lead a, a more simplistic life and a more you know back to basics kind of existence that you know feels like is less connected to the materialistic and commercial side of of existence and more like to nature and land and and you know the feeling of being close to all of the beauty that we have here so I don't know there feels like a very odd juxtaposition of the two worlds colliding right now yeah yeah and you know I've heard funny stories like um, um, a very wealthy um, new house owner who asked a friend of mine if he if there was a little Maria down the road that could come and clean his house and cook her him tortillas? And my friend said to him, "Are you kidding? Maria down the road sold her finca for eight million, and then she <laughs> became an estate agent and sold her m- sister's finca for another eight million. Maria down the road is a millionaire. So these people are going to probably have to start cleaning their own loos because they're not going to find." those people <laughs> that's the reality they'll ship them in you know but those that that level of people are not going to exist soon <laughs> it's just not you're not going to be able to get cleaners you're not going to be able to get people to do to do any of the dirty work unless you bring them in that's the problem because people can't afford to live here um yeah so it's sort of you know i love the island and i i'm very non-negative about it um, but you know this this entitlement that people have that they come here and I've had quite a few people I mean I've been here for <laughs> over 40 years and I've had people come here and say to me but your guide is giving away all the secrets and I'm like how long have you been here and they well, we've been here for eight years and I'm like seriously seriously it's like the whole reason is to offer up all these lovely places to people that come here on a week holiday and they they, um, you don't want them to miss out on what Ibiza really is. They're not going to ruin the island, you know. They're not those type of people, and they should. Everyone should be allowed. Should have the possibility to. Especially, I've been here all my life, and I think that. So, someone who's only been here eight years, you don't have a right to even think that, because you came here at one point and knew nothing, you know. So, this entitlement, and I don't feel entitlement, and I've been here all my life. So, you know. I think it's madness. I mean, I've been here for a decade, just gone, and I feel like, yeah, why wouldn't you want to share all those amazing little gorgeous places that you, you know, I I like to find little places where I think I'm not going to run into anybody English, for example, and I'm forced to speak Spanish, and I feel like I'm actually in Spain because nobody around me is speaking anything other than Spanish. So, you know, for me, those are the little kind of places that I try to seek out. Uh, This actually, where we're sitting right now, being one of those places where I used to come for a morning coffee in Cancarune and would sit there and actually be surrounded by only Spanish voices at like 7.30 in the morning when it opened. And, and I'm yeah, I think it's definitely 
not that place anymore, which is just another example of, of how Ibiza is moving. There's still a lot of the places. Yeah, last night I had dinner in Balafia, and which was which just has not changed. Lena running around serving tables in her own restaurant. The, 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 the paper napkins are still signed with Balafia on them. The same old tomato and onion salad, simple <laughs> fries and fantastic meat, and, and so down to earth. And these places still exist. You know, I can list a lot of places that are still like that. But it's only a matter of time. If things continue to go on the way they're going, it's only a matter of time that this will change, you know. And um, it's funny because my daughter is in, at the moment, in Antibes. And she sent me a long message and she called it New Nostalgia. And I really related to it because it's that nostalgia. She was talking about what happened to Ibiza, Mum. Why did Ibiza change so much? Because Antibes has been popular for years, yet it's really simple and beautiful and little cafes with just two chairs outside, no major tourism places, just really sweet and lovely people and very calm. And I said it was the, it's the clubs and the drugs that have made Ibiza become what it is because it had this mass exodus of, of clubbing life and time, you know, and that just changed everything. You know, if, if Ibiza hadn't have had any clubs on it, it's like Formentera hasn't got any clubs on it and it still maintained its feeling, you know. So I put it down to that. I put it down to the, the, the clubs and that world, you know, that's changed it. There is one club on Formentera, is it called Tipic? Tipic, yeah, which is now, in I've heard, is going to get bought by Pasha, I think. That was the last thing I heard. But, you know, Tipic's tiny. It's never going to be big, and they'll never allow it to be bigger. They can't make it bigger. So, you know, good luck to them. It'll have its little, you know, time in the summer, and that'll be it. It's never going to be a privilege or an amnesia or, God forbid, Ushuaia. God, you know, these are, there's places on the island that I avoid and I will never go to, you know, but, um, but everything that I sort of dislike. Yeah, I know Duran Duran played there and it was fabulous. <laughs> what, what do you dislike about Ushuaia? I just think, you know, when I went there, the last time I went there, it was just, just money and... It was all about, it's just, you just got that feeling when you go in there, you know, the whole, it's this whole showcasing money and these great big VIP tables with tons of bottles in an ice thing and no one's drinking them even and it's just throw away and everyone's looking at everyone and seeing who looks good. You know, it's just so, you know, it was never like that, you know, years ago clubbing. I mean, I don't want to sound like some sort of, you know, sad person going, oh, in the old days. But, you know, we used to just go into the club in our flip-flops with sandy feet and a T-shirt and shorts. And no one cared what anyone looked like. We just went in to listen to good music and have a good dance. And, you know, obviously in those days, it was all the clubs had no roofs. So you had that open-air feeling. But, you know, it was always very relaxed. It was, it was never about who's there, what's that, ooh, the VIP and who's sitting there. And, you know, and it wasn't like that. So that's really... People just go to a place to, to, because there's a DJ, certain DJ playing there. Um, it was never like that. You just went to have a good dance, you know. Whoever was playing was good. Where do you? Where would be your place of choice if you were going to go out for, a, for an evening of uh, entertainment or maybe a little dance? No, don't. <laughs> Here's me trying to think. God. I mean, there's a new Akasha in Las Dalias, 
um, which is fun. And, um, you know, it becomes more and more parties at people's houses, you know, which became quite popular in the, in the COVID time. Well, not in the COVID time, but pre-COVID that was starting. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say. I'm not, I, you know, I love Pasha for Pasha's legendary, you know, it is always being Pasha's, but always being Pasha. You know, I so I do love Pasha, and you know the funky rooms opening up, so that'll be fun every Saturday. So I'll definitely go to that and see all that lot, Vaughan and Pee Pee playing. Um, and then I'm not a privileged person. I loved it in its manumission days. It was fantastic. I mean, one can't even really. It's just, it was madness. It was fantastic. And then, I mean, they are back, the Man in Mission gang, doing a party in O-Beach in San Antonio, yeah, <laughs> called Animus Omnis, which is a jam- jamble of the letters Man in Mission. And um, so that's interesting, and it, it's gathering a quite an old group of the old Man in Mission crowd. Didn't they try that at Leo for a bit? Yeah, I think Leo was the wrong place because it's, yeah gone from one extreme to the other well, let's see how it works out I love them I love them to bits um, yeah and yeah I mean I, I I like DC 10 but it's a bit hit and miss you know I, I call it slightly the emperor's new clothes because there's a lot of people in there at times that I've been the music wasn't great standing around taking selfies of I'm, I'm in DC 10 and you know, I know a good party. I know when the music's good. I know, you know, it's not, it's not an age thing. You know, I, my daughter and I dance around the room loads, loads together because we relate to the same music. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not always great, but yet everyone still goes there, whatever. It's just, I was at DC10. I was there, you know? But it's not always great. It can be amazing and it can not be amazing. Um, so it's hit and miss where else where else um, yeah I mean I went to Sparadise funnily enough um, about three weeks ago and it was fantastic it was keep on dancing at, in Sparadise and the club is outstanding it's the most beautiful club um, they haven't really changed it that much from what it was it was the initial designer who did the Café Del Mar as well with all those bubbly things on the roof um, so that was good fun um, to be honest, I don't go out clubbing that much anymore. I, I sort of, depending. I went to Six Senses a week ago for dinner and, and was at the Beach Caves, which, you know, it's beautiful. But, you know, that's another... Six Senses, I mean, I just hope that they're being kind to the environment and not... I just really hope that that's the case because it's a massive complex, you know. There's a lot to consider there, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it is a real focus, really, for for all you know, big uh, establishments this year. That the, the focus on the environment is is definitely you know been brought to the fore. I think by by the break that we've just had and the fact that Ireland has obviously just had a bit of a a rest uh, from the usual influx. And obviously, you know, the sea had a chance to recover, and you know, the beaches had a chance to recover, and everything is looking quite resplendent really actually I was just out for a little walk in the campo this morning and it's just everything is looking way more beautiful than I think I've ever seen it so um it's kind of an interesting one to sort of stand by and wait and see what's gonna unravel this summer like what are your what are your plans this summer well the guide comes out in June 
and I'm doing a big party up in Dalt Villa, um, which is to me, it hasn't, <coughs> hasn't changed. It's fantastic up there. You walk up there in the middle of the summer and it's like time stood still. It's the most beautiful thing, you know. You, and you go back down and it's all mayhem in, in below. But Dal Villa still has that incredible peace and and all the buildings are the same pretty much, you know. Um, so I'm doing a party up in the Canonigo Hotel by the pool. And then um, spend time doing, you know, delivering the guide and making it all work and happen and... Yeah, the way it is with a guide every summer when, when it comes out. Making sure everyone's happy, online sales, you know, and doing my posts and finding more out, you know, this never-ending search, really, of places. What a horrible job to have, though, to keep unravelling the beauties and the secrets of Ibiza. I think it's, like, yeah, one of the most incredible jobs that you've created for yourself. So well done you for doing, like, you know, making something that you just get so much joy from and you obviously meet, you know, fascinating people all day every day by going and combing every inch and breadth of the island yeah and I try to be you know open-minded I'm, I'm trying not to be too negative um, there's places that I are finding hard to keep in the guide you know um, everyone has to sort of yeah up their game a bit and um, be like you said more aware of the environment you know we all need to we all need to be more aware of what's going on this island's taking a he- a lot of people in a short space of time actually the one savior is it's it's a short season it's well it's six months and then everyone leaves and the island can breathe again um if it wasn't like that if, if it was an island which was sunny all year round it would be destroyed um and so just people just have to be aware you know using water just with their trash just looking after the island and think about why you came here you know did you come here to you know i don't know i think you just have to remember why you came here this is spain and it should be spanish and you know i mean a lot it's it's very modernizing isn't it you find people buy little little old restaurants and turn them into you know Dutch Dutch breakfast places or you know and it's you think why why come from your country and turn something into what you miss in from your country you know just it's sort of but you know I don't know that's just human nature I suppose you want to you know it's like they had we used to have an English shop here and you know people loved it go to the English shop and get your <laughs> crumpets and your Walker's crisps the fact that you know Tesco Metro opened up here and everyone's like have you been to Tesco's to get your Christmas bits and it's like no I don't miss anything about England there's nothing that I wouldn't want you know to bring over here there's not one thing there's not one single thing and that's why I love it here because all of that stuff you know you refine things that replace the things that you miss and that's the joy of like moving to a new in, in environment and country and the joy of discovery yeah and I'm also becoming more like that with the guide. I'm, I'm, I'm only really posting stories, more stories about authentic places because I don't find the new redone places of any interest to me, you know. Yes, it's nice that someone's done something new and I, don't, I think it's great, you know, good luck. But the places, I mean, I have that nostalgia because I've been here for so long. So, you know, if, if every, it's like they talked about in the article about Santa Gertrudis. You know, becoming this, what do they call it? The the Notting Hill of the Med. I mean, you know. But it's really expensive. You can't live there anymore. You can't buy a house there. 
um, it's impossible to, to, to find anywhere to live in, in Santa Gertrudis because of the high prices. Um, and yeah, it's extraordinary. It's such a beautiful village. And now it's just full of high-end shops. And, you know, I can look at it in a positive side as well. Yes, it's also quite nice. And I suppose that's just the way it has to go because it can't stay that dusty village with a tabac and a crappy tapas bar and and then the nice one with the, the you know the toasters and cheesies the costas but you know there was a few around there that were not great it has to change and it's evolving it's just if one just wants it to evolve the right way you know that's my only concern and for people to be aware of it and to remind yourself why you came here really you know why did you choose the visa you know did you choose it just to have a you know I don't know it's just you've just got to be really honest with yourself and remind yourself why you chose Ibiza I think you know that you've just summed it up really because that cafe is always the one that's busiest you know the one the cost is in the middle like you can't get a table there for love nor money and there's tiddly little brilliant chairs and tables that make me feel like I'm sort of like at a five-year-old's tea party drinking (laughs) glasses of of illicit wine and um, little kind of squares of cheese which are actually kind of a little bit like a kids kids party which you know is the reason you love it because it's charming and you're sitting on a little chair that's really deeply uncomfortable but that's you know that's the chairs and tables that, that people in the countryside use and that's that's how it should be because we all need to learn a lot more about the culture of this place and through guides like yours and other books that have been written and there's quite you know there's quite a few now I mean there's still very very few compared to most places that's what I find quite interesting about Ibiza that there's not more novels and more um you know like magazines and i mean there's quite a lot of magazines actually that's not true but there's there's not that many books out there so i think it's nice to have something quite refreshing and down to earth like your perspective and the way you write the book is is quite um yeah quite nice it's more guide it's not really a book it's sort of it's not me writing a book the music's gone higher (laughs) i quite like it yeah yeah it's um, it's a guide, so it's just little in, little you know inserts of of places that I've tried and tasted and and that I love, you know. Um, but you've always got a little comment or a little something that kind of gives you a bit more of a flavour rather than a very basic, boring description. Yeah, no, I want to be real. I don't want to. There's no paid editorial. No one pays me to be in, as in their ads be in. Yes, but I, I choose who I'm going to write about. I, that was my one thing because I worked in magazines for 11 years in fashion mag for years and which was fantastic until it wasn't so fantastic anymore and you know what really brought me down was the paid editorial you know having to write about a place that you really didn't like and plug it because they paid and um, I thought I can't do this I can't do it it's just not real it has to be real there has to be I have a my ethos is to be real about the island and give people real insight um that's what I also hated about my very first job on the island uh, for another essential Ibiza. I started to make a podcast and do some restaurant reviews and it was like once you know I went somewhere and the food was crap and I didn't like it and I was like well I'm sorry (laughs) you've got to write something positive and it's like yeah but there's nothing good to say. No you see that is hard and I go to places really hoping that they're great you know I get invited and you know I go there and I don't have a great meal and I'm it's really hard to be negative about a place because you don't want to people you know it's 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 just not nice so I I have to sort of carefully tell them that it wasn't great and and you know it's really hard it's really hard to do that um 
But it's also what was tricky about this island is that you've got a lot of places claiming to be the sort of five stars um, with you know price price lists to match on the menu, and then if they've obviously kind of you know got their new staff in at the beginning of the season that you know aren't the same staff as last year, and the service is bad, and the food is you know it's got a different chef, and menu might be the same, but ultimately you're not getting the experience that goes with the price tag, and that for me is like the number one most disappointing thing at the start of the summer. There actually is almost no point in going out for those kind of fancy pants meals because you know they're not they're not what you know you expect them to be yes but then I, I completely agree with you but then there was a point here a few years ago where some restaurants really need to needed to change because there was other restaurants coming in that were doing amazing food and these other restaurants I always say the better the view the worse the food so they had amazing locations and they didn't have to try hard to make the food great anymore they got very relaxed and you know you should always up the game and make the food good and you know I don't mind paying for good food what I hate is paying you know um, uh, a 10 euro um, aioli per head bill so if you've got 10 people and you say yeah we'll have bread and aioli and you get first of all not real aioli it's some white mix that isn't even made the way aioli is actually made with oil and um, garlic and then they charge you 10 euros per head so it's 100 euros before you started eating um, that I really find hard to swallow <laughs> and that happens a lot where is the best place for pan alioli on the island where is your absolute like absolute hands down that's my favourite Espins on the San Juan road they make their own bread and it's got like um, an, um, anise seeds in it and the alioli is just, it's like jelly. It's, it's the real alioli. So if anyone wants to try the real alioli, that's where you should go. And whenever I go out and I, and I have alioli and it's not the real one, I send it back. I'm like, what is this? We're in, we're in Ibiza. It's so easy to make it. Because they put in homogenized milk. They mix weird stuff into it. It's horrible. I think it happened because of salmonella. But that was years ago. You know, we're, we're ahead of that now. People have got decent fridges. <laughs> we have electricity. Um, and so yeah that's and it's such a basic thing isn't it so when you get the good aglioli and the nice olives you know you're, on, you're, you're gonna have a good meal it's when you get this crappy fancy stuff so yeah out to all those chefs out there sort out your aglioli <laughs> I mean, I remember taking over the Finca where I, I had in uh, San Vicente for three years and I was running some yoga events and bits and pieces there. And, and the lady that owned the Finca, um, Maria, who was 79, I think she was, or she might have been 89, actually, I tell a lie. And she actually, the first thing she did was give me her grandmother's, her great grandmother's bowl. And she showed me how to make that exact dish and to serve it to all my guests that were going to come and stay with me. And I was amazed that you didn't need eggs or anything other than just literally oil and garlic and it was like wow i can create so much magic with two very easy spanish ingredients and that's it yeah yeah exactly and you know also when you think about all the places here that are always a queue to get in really hard to book generally they're the original ibiza places you know like costas like espins like balafia they're all those places that people are you know it's charcoal they're all places that have kept the traditional food as it was and people love it so um, it's, it's nice to have different places to go to it's nice to have a bit of fancy options I like it I, I like the fact that there's some options on the island that we didn't have before the island does have to evolve um, but you know a lot of places are trying to do this sort of fusion-y mix 
um, and they're not doing it well and they're, you, you know, it's extortionist prices. So, yeah. Tell us the story of uh, your parents and how they discovered that island because I, I do love a good love story. Oh, God. Well, my mum and dad... My mum my came here in, in 58 and my dad did as well and my mum was running away from a relationship she'd had in England with for 10 years that she was just sort of that's it I'm leaving and she, I don't know why she chose Ibiza and in those days it was hard to get here I mean it wasn't like it is now we had to drive and take a boat and um, she turned up here thinking her life was over she was almost like that's it I'll never love again she was really heartbroken and she had a little place in the Sapeña village in the old town which is where the fishermen's all lived and she suddenly started to think oh my god this is so fabulous this simple life you know there's no electricity every morning she'd get up and walk down and get a croissant and sit with her coffee and just marvel at the simplicity of life and and it was beautiful Um, and then my dad sailed in on a yacht he was an engineer in Denmark and he decided to I think he went to this is a story he went to Greenland as an engineer and he was working all the time he'd never had any time off and he went to Greenland and he met a crazy artist in Greenland who just painted all day and he said how can you just paint all day don't you have to work and the artist said no I'm, I, I make a way and I and this is my life and why would I want to work all day and my dad was suddenly had this sort of light bulb moment he said I've got to get out of this this rat race so he bought a, a, a yacht and he came down to Ibiza and he met my mum at a party and um, they fell in love um, and a few years later they got married and yeah and they never left <laughs> yeah I'm sure that's happened quite a lot on a bike, on this island yeah, and they, you know, he was called Danish George because there was like five Georges. There was there was one to John, Danish George, um, Harry the Hat. There was these sort of characters, you know, um, a whole load of a bunch of dodgies, you know, you know, <laughs> actors and and yeah, people escaping, you know, the 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 towns that they'd been at, and in and you know, in Ibiza in those days was just like this sort of quiet sleepy beautiful place my dad said it was just beautiful you can't imagine the mist used to come in and go all around the cathedral and you'd just see the top of the cathedral now it doesn't happen because all the big buildings break it but he said it was the most beautiful sight every morning were these harry the hats and johnny the leg and were they like you know criminals well yes yeah there's a few that's why i mean dodgy you know there was a few there was a lot of interesting stories i mean there was clifford Irvin, who was very good friends with my parents who wrote the the fake biography of Howard Hughes? They didn't did a film with Richard Gere, um, and um, he lived here. Um, there was um, Denham Elliott lived here, Terry Thomas, John Pertwee. There was a load of interesting people. Yeah. What did you think of the recent Netflix uh, documentary on uh, White Lines? Oh God! It wasn't even filmed in Ibiza. That's that's all I can say. It wasn't even. I know Ibiza so well. I didn't. It was all Mallorca, I think. They didn't even film it here. They filmed bits of it here. You know, and yeah, it was that. It was the the not the nicest part of Ibiza. 
at the storyline, did you sort of uh, recognise any parts of the the particular family familial roles in it? Um, I have to remember because I watched it about a year and a half ago, so I'm sort of I'd have to jog my memory. There was the family, and there were some dynamics going, and there was a, the boy in the wheelchair, and then he was kind of seemingly in love with his mother, and then oh, there was yeah, a kind of, sort of Spanish um, aristocracy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, it's not very Ibiza. I didn't really get it, you know? I didn't really get it. I mean, yeah. Silent movie? What did you think of that one? Silent movie? I haven't seen that. The um, Julian Temple-directed uh, film that came out maybe a year or two ago. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, wow. Silent movie, it's called. I'll have it's just all clips of beautiful parts of Ibiza and quotes and it's completely silent but it's like footage and yeah it was kind of beautiful oh no I haven't seen it I must go and check that out <laughs> no I haven't seen it um, there's one called um, there's, I mean there's more the classic movie more um, and there's um, the one by um, what's his name uh, my brain's gone Orson Welles um, called Fake, F for Fake. I don't know if you've heard of it. And it's all about the time in the late 60s when Elmer Dahori, a famous forging, forgery, he forged art and he could, for, he could copy anything, his style. So he could do Matisse, Van Gogh, Gauguin, Modigliani and he copied them to perfection and he would sell them to people and they would they, he would go through the catalogues of like the Louvre and he'd say oh, mine 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 if you've not seen it it's fantastic and it's he lived in Ibiza and he um, he lived and died in Ibiza and um, my mum has a has a Modigliani of his and it's a Modigliani I mean you look at it and it's it's fantastic it's beautiful um, so that was that's an interesting movie and it shows all the old parties you know that shows him inviting people up to a party in the old town and that whole, you know, everyone wearing sort of very simple clothes and barefoot and sideburns. Yeah. It's a good one. I'm just loving, sorry, the Indian vibes that I'm kind of know, starting to experience. I feel like I'm in Goa rather than uh, Ibiza right now. It is really nice here. You know, it's let's, it's an example of a changed place. So Cancrone was this old kind of... Spanish restaurant bar where all the locals used to hang out and have their menu del dia which is the day menu and eat simple food and then they gave it a refurb that um, wasn't that great um, I don't want to be too negative and then they um, <laughs> and then they handed it over to the world family and you know it was it was sort of it could have gone both ways you know they do the parties, Namaste parties in Las Dalias, and it's very colourful and Indian-inspired and fluorescence, and it's like being in, like you said, Goa or somewhere in India. And but they've actually made it into this really nice place, and it's really lovely to sit here. And you can come here on your own, and they're all colourful cushions. You immediately feel like, oh, I should have worn something colourful. <laughs> Because it's just lovely and there's this music in the background that puts you into a sort of good mood. I like the fact that they've made a little altar out of the uh, the, the piano in the centre stage and I feel like maybe, well, you know, of an music. evening. They do live music, so there's ah. a few evenings they do live music and I think um, Fridays it's sushi night 
and um, Saturday lunchtime they do the the couscous, which they've always done, and they did it when Cancronay when it was Cancronay, and then on Saturday evenings it's Mexican. I remember the couscous they used to serve up at uh, Utopia with Fatima, actually. That was one of my favourite couscouses on the island. So I think it's nice that there's still an establishment knocking out good couscous. But it's um, interesting, as you say, that all these world foods are now kind of coming in here and sort of sweeping into a place that was renowned for its, you know, Spanish dishes and, and everything else that went with it. But, I, you know, this is definitely a very good replacement for all kind of modernization and gentrification as it goes this is i'm in with this one yeah no it's nice and also let's go back to spanish food spanish food can be very it can't it can be quite dull so you know tapas we all love tapas but yeah i mean it's nice that it has the the options and the selection of different places and this is yet another one you know it's really nice and I, i think they've done a great job i really like it I miss my green food uh, in Ibiza sometimes. I feel like Spanish food, there's, there's not, not a lot of uh, green vegetables involved in that kind of diet, which is, is all good. I love Spanish food, but there are moments when I just really want to eat, you know, like an actual salad that consists of like lettuce leaves rather than other things. So I think that there's definitely space for, as you say, other things to, to enter into the mix. And, um, I, you know, as you're... <laughs> intermittently chowing down on an acai bowl which you barely had a moment to to cram (laughs) into your breakfast uh, regime bless you um i think you know i think there's some very positive changes that abitha has experienced in the last 40 plus years that you've been here and i'd love to know maybe we could finish with them what you feel like that maybe that the best thing that you've seen evolve over the last four decades or more has been well i mean the article that was written in the Financial Times talks about reclaiming the land that has been forgotten and doing agriculture and I think it is wonderful that is wonderful that that people are wanting to regrow and make the land useful again and um, we all know that we've we now know that plowing and plowing and plowing is not good let things grow plant fruit trees and I think that's a real plus, and I and and that's a really good thing that that if people are coming here and buying a big thinker and buying lots of land and are really going to do that. I think that's amazing. Um, so that's that's an amazing thing because there there is a lot of forgotten land on the island, um, and you know if you can grow here, one won't have to buy out from the rest of the world or from the mainland. And the island will become more self-sufficient, which is an amazing thing to think of. And especially after what we went through with the COVID, you know, it's, it, we all opened, it opened our eyes to that. We all started, you know, thinking about veggie patch, veggie patch, better do a veggie patch. Because you suddenly saw how it could be like that, you know, falling into that world where suddenly you can't go shopping and buy anything. Um, I mean, and we have water on my land as in a, a well, so I never buy water. And it's so nice to not worry about water, you know. So you sort of, you, we all had that scare of the Mad Max, you know, running out of things. Um, so that's a really good thing. I think it's going to be amazing for the island to have that. And if people are really honestly doing that, and um, it's not a, it's not a, um, a fad. Because <laughs> it's think hard it to is. be a farmer. <laughs> It is. It's bloody hard work for sure. I've seen it with my yeah. own eyes, and um, yeah, 
yeah. I think it's um, you know beautiful they've created a land bank and you know if people did want to come in from overseas and actually find something suitable for the kinds of project and become a resident and actually apply you know that that is a real possibility to regenerate the earth and obviously you know get the biodiversity back and fix the soil and get that you know all the flights and everything else that happens here to try and offset that by actually just healing the soil would be the number one gift I think that tourism could give back to Ibiza without a shadow of a doubt because it's also for me the one of the most beautiful things that exists here is the countryside it's not the seascapes and sitting at the beach it's definitely the inland walks that I do on a daily basis and just even this morning was just watching this beautiful field of wheat just just before it's going to be ploughed and that's the last time I'm probably going to see it this summer it was just like blowing in the wind and I recorded it for about a minute on my yeah. phone because I was like this is so gorgeous yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's nice to finish on the the regenerative agriculture projects that are popping up all over the island and the positive things that are happening to offset climate change in a in an island that really basically gets absolutely battered by tourism every summer and I think if that is you know yeah fad or no fad it's, it's definitely got to be an amazing thing that's, that's that's happening here right here right now yeah well i mean the residents the people that live here all year round and that have houses here they are actually the ones putting the money into the island we don't really need all the mass tourism it's not really feeding the island because a lot of it goes to the hotels that just run those weeks of people and destroys the island, in fact, the, 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 the way that happens. So, um, you know, San Antonio used to be the most beautiful port of arrival on the island years ago, and now it's the ugliest. So um, it's a rethink of where the money actually comes from. You know, the money is actually coming from the, the residents and um, the locals and the people that live here all the time, and the people that have the homeowners, and that's where it's coming from. Um, so... If we can just grow that way, grow organically, slowly, the scary thing is this mass, mass interest in Ibiza. And there's been so many stories, so many articles, so many people want to live here. You know, there's nothing left to buy, practically. And people are just throwing money at things, you know, and hippies that have lived here for years are suddenly being kicked out, don't have anywhere to go have to leave the island so you know you've just got to it has to be a slow it just can't be so brutal you know and you have to realise what you're doing as well everyone has to care for everyone you know yeah peace and love I feel like we're in the the centre of it in this world family cafe so (laughs) it's easy for me to sit back on my laurels because I've lived all my life and have opinions um but, you know, I think I have opinions because I've been here for that long and I've seen so many changes. So um, I try and understand everyone's side and everyone's point of view and why things are the way they are and um, not be too negative about things because everything has to evolve, everything has to grow. Um, and it's understandable that people want to come and live here. It's a, it's a wonderful island and it's a great lifestyle. You know, it's a really wonderful place to live. And as you said, after the COVID, through the COVID, we learned how we don't really need to go to an office, you know. One can work from home. And now with, you know, 5G, is it? Oh, God. Um, everything's, you know, you can work from anywhere. You know, gone are the days where you 
went on holiday to Mexico and didn't have any way of contacting anyone for the time that you were there. I remember that, and that's only 20 years ago. I miss it. Oh, my God. You had to send a fax. I had to send a fax to my mum going, everything's good, we're still alive. You know, no mobile phones. The, there was no banks. You had to sort of go somewhere to another village to get a bank to get withdraw money, you know. But that was so nice. You know, now it's all, it's all different. <laughs> There's me going back to the past. <laughs> no, I just remember going to the internet cafes as well to write home and, and check in with the, the family. But yeah, I just had this old brick that was just like literally worse than useless and firing it up just to make that one call home at once, once a week maybe just to let my mum know I was still alive. Gone are the days, the glory days. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's very interesting to hear your, your viewpoint on the changes. And that's kind of what I was looking forward to hearing. Well, there's a new generation of kids, including my daughter, in their 20s, between 2025, 20 that are all really strong values about the island and how they feel about things, um, the real Ibiza, you know? And it's really nice to see. So it's not just me harping on about the past. My daughter's like that. She, she asks me all about stuff, about how it was, and she loves it. And she's like, you're so lucky, Mum, to have grown up in that generation. She doesn't care about Instagram and selfies and, you know plastic fantastic she loves the real barefoot life and simplicity you know um so that's really nice to see that she's hanging on to that and she's and there's a lot of kids like that here on the island so i'm really excited to see how they turn out but that's very encouraging yeah it is it is and they you know they're all from different nationalities but sort of part educated here went then went to england then come back you know they're clever kids They've got, you know, good head on their shoulders. So, yeah. Well, they are our new gurus of the future. And um, with that wonderful man <laughs> firing up his car for the 15th time, I think we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll call it quits there so you can eat your breakfast in peace. Hjordis Fugelberg, thank you so, so much. Thank you, Joe. It was really nice to meet you and speak to you in this space. It was really nice. I hope you can hear the conversation. And I hope I wasn't too negative. Maybe you should cut out the bits where I'm negative. No, you were fantastic. And um, yeah, thank you so, so much for joining us.